connected. Here comes something unusual. Senses are shaken and the soul is driven to madness. Who can stand? When the souls of the oppressed fight in the troubled air that rages, who can stand? When the whirlwind of fury comes from the throne of God and the frowns of his countenance drive the nations together, who can stand? When sin claps his broad wings over the battle and sails rejoicing in a flood of death, when souls are torn to everlasting fire and fiends of hell rejoice upon the slain, oh, who can stand? Oh, who hath caused this? Oh, who can answer at the throne of God? The kings and the nobles of the land have done it. Hear it not, heaven, thy ministers have done it. Thy ministers have done it. little new uh, twist on our opening. Uh, that I should give credit to that. That is a fantastic artist. Some of you are probably not aware of her. Her name is Lorena McKinnett. She's Irish. Uh, unbelievable soprano voice and very, very talented. And that's a, from her first album, actually. And it's a tune called Lullaby interesting story on that and uh, that little insert was in there and i've always been drawn to that for many many years uh as i was telling the group here right before we started that was uh we put that in as the intro to the one video i've ever done merc have you ever seen that video which one it's on youtube uh and, and it's a video i did in argentina um right after about a month after Ed Snowden, it was in 2013, <coughs> and uh, pretty amazing story. But anyway, we put it on the front of that video, and uh, they wouldn't let us upload it. And got uh, had to go clean it up to put that video up. Um, that was a very interesting story down there. The video that that gal put together, you can find it. It's still you know you can't search it on YouTube. When, evidently, when they Paul, this is what they do. I think. Uh, when they take something and make it inaccessible, they just change the, the uh, algorithm on the search uh, because you can still go into YouTube and put PPN radio uh, in the search, and there's a channel over there, and that uh, that is uh, over there. You can access it. It was a pretty interesting story. The gal, uh, the guy I was working with, my shaman buddy, he knew this gal, and she was the daughter of one of the wealthiest guys in town, big wine guy and uh, she wanted to get into video and he sent her to the states to school and bought her all this top flight sony equipment and stuff and uh, because she was very good at it at what she did um she was jammed and my uh, my diego friend knew her and said look she said i got a window here one day and we sat and did that whole video in one take she edited it, put all the graphics in it, put all the music and everything in 24 hours, Paul. She produced that whole thing in 24 hours from ship to, from uh, tip to stern. 
and uh, charged me a hundred dollars. <laughs> wow! Uh, yeah, it's a it's a spectacular. She did a spectacular job. If you've never seen that, uh, you know, I ought, to, I ought to pull the link out to that and put it on the uh, on the web page. Honestly, uh, it's a very good video. I don't like doing video and stuff, but that one really turned out well. I thought. I didn't know as much as obviously as we do now, but uh, anyway, they they made us pull that, and uh, last week it hit me. I said, "Well, we ought to drag that out." And I looked around and found it. And last night, uh, Paul did a little concerted effort to stick that into the bed, and we'll see how it works. Uh, hope y'all liked it. It's a very dramatic reading of that uh, poem. And what was interesting is when we were doing all that last night, the Jitsi crews on here. Uh, and, uh, Bruce comes on. Bruce, are you there? Bruce there this morning? Could be unusual if you're not. Anyway, um, Bruce was here and uh, he said, you know. Yeah, right, I'm here, Roger. Why don't you tell the audience what you told me last night? Okay, hang on. Let me put my earpiece in and, uh, mic. Okay, because I thought that Go was ahead. pretty I just, well, when we were doing this, Bruce was one of the people in the room, and after we got finished messing with it, he came on and he told us this, and I'd just simply like for you to repeat it to the audience. Yeah, I was, I was, um, on for a little while before you came on, and, um, song came out, and it was just like, yeah, I've heard this before, but I was trying to figure out where I had heard it. And it just, I mean, in two seconds later, I, it hit me. I mean, it just kicked me in the head. I started crying. Tears started coming out of my eyes. And I, I, it was my grandma, my grandmother's song, little, she would do a two little, little, um, phrase and sing to that same song that that woman was singing and I had forgotten about it uh, when I was having children 35 years old first child and here I am got my my new daughter in the my arms trying to you know give her some time to sleep and stuff and I was holding her and rocking her and that just came out of me out of the blue I had forgotten about the song and here I do the same thing again with Roger playing that song. Same thing. Subconscious, pretty powerful, isn't it? Uh, and of course, that's oh my what, god, uh, yes. yeah, right. yeah, that's what Lorena McKinnon does. Uh, she, uh, I should promote her a little <laughs> bit. I, I really like her. She's just a mega talent. Okay, and uh, she goes back and gets all those old songs. And then another thing that she does yeah. with her music is she goes went through the Mediterranean to, and got a lot of the old instruments that they used to use that nobody uses anymore uh, and uh, uh, and incorporates that in in her bringing these old, obviously that's a age-old English song, English-Irish song, whatever, from that part of the world. And, uh, she, Roger, that, that, also... That, oh, just a second. Uh, uh, okay, well, let me just finish, oh. and we can discuss it. And the rest of the, it's only about two two minutes or something long, but most of the song is her with that doodly 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 and the stuff in the background. And then at the last, they bring that guy's oratory in there that hits right in our wheelhouse. Okay, really. Sounds uh, beautiful. Okay. If you listen to those lyrics uh, that he's uh, quoting, it's uh, it's moving. Yeah, Bruce. 
Well, my grandmother last name was Gillibo. Yeah, and they uh, they're original Huguenots, and uh, they came from Abbeville, France. Her ancestors did. Really. So there you go. And, and, and ended up in Abbeville, South Carolina. How about that? Uh, was that Lisa? Oh, well, that's where they, they settled. <clears throat> they settled it, and that's they settled they after they had the massacre. Right. And and that was they brought the name over from France and and put it in South Carolina, and that is also the uh, home of the Abbeville Institute, which is a fantastic historical organization. You can go. I think there's no ABB. Uh, Abbeville's got a, there's something uh, there's no Y in it or something. It's got an unusual spelling, but uh, they've got a wrap. Okay, of I'll spell it for you. So, okay, please do. It's it's a B B E V I L L E. Yeah, that's right. There's no Abbeville. Y in there. There's no Y in there. So anyway, right. that's where uh, uh, Doctor Robert Livingston, who was the uh, one of the founders of the League of the South, um, many 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 years ago, a professor emeritus at Emory taught over there for 31 years and uh, he split from league of the south and him and some of his buddies founded the abbeville institute there's some excellent history in there lisa what were you trying to say sweetie i think it was lisa it was a female i just said it sounds beautiful Roger, it's Luca. so anyway we'll uh we'll we'll use that you know better to ask forgiveness and permission right uh but so anyway, just a little different twist this morning. Uh, welcome everybody. I didn't even give much of the uh, the warm up stuff. Obviously, Roger sales with you, and it's the twenty fifth of April, and we're here on uh, streaming on the Eurofolk Radio Network and Global Voice Radio, unless uh, Paul's network hiccup is in progress, and that is over at radio.globalvoiceradio.net and home rate home theater home something TV. <laughs> I yeah, I got so much in my brain, man. Just, you got a mental I, block on I, that I one, do, don't I do. you? Right? And I get the, and I get those. Okay, so the best thing for okay, me to do is to home turn it over. Network. Home network. TV and it, turn it over to Paul. Paul gets a little airtime here. And freedomnation.tv. All of those. Uh, and. Uh, uh, both streams have been checked. Both Global Voice and Eurofolk are sounding fine. Okay, so we got that little snafu straightened out. That's good. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, yesterday after the show, I got a call from Brendy Wells. Uh, some of you may not know this. I didn't get in the loop on that. But uh, John was sick. He came down ill, running 103 fever. And uh, uh, she... She was asking me, she was going to ask me a question, and I never let her get through the question. She said, would you like to host or, and I said, yes. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, we set that up last night. I was, uh, we took a whole afternoon of messing with stuff and getting everything set up to do that. They've got a very, very, very professional outfit over there at Caravan to Midnight. We, around here, we fly by the seat of our pants, you know. But uh, they've got a, a tapped into Salem Network there in Dallas. Uh, very, very professional. They use a special set of software. And uh, uh, you, the board operator, whose name is Vicky, real strong Christian gal, loves radio. And uh, the way they've got it set up is she can talk to me, and you guys can't hear it. And uh, so... 
uh, I, uh, she said, well, you want to do the show? You want to have a guest? And I thought for a few minutes, I thought, well, being as this is this supposedly scheduled tax topic, which we really didn't cover, uh, to my satisfaction last night, but, uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Um, and, uh, uh, and I got Glenn on with us and it's pretty damn hard to get Glenn on the radio folks. Um, and usually I've got to really twist his arm to get him over here occasionally. We hadn't been able to do that very much. Uh, but last night because of the situation, and as I explained on the show last night, uh, John Benson, our teacher, who's the reason all of us are here talking about generations, huh? Uh, John Benson used to listen to coast to coast with George Norrie. Every friggin' night, okay? And he always used to say, I heard him say, he said, I'll be on there with my information one day. And, of course, John didn't make it. Uh, so here it is, the guy that filled in for Nori that eventually split and started his own network, Caravan to Midnight. Uh, and here it is, the student of John Benson and the other student, his very close friend, Glenn Ambort. They were very close. Uh, so I got Glenn on and we got to cover that, not totally the way I wanted to. And I didn't really, cause I don't, I like spontaneity on the air. I don't like canned stuff, but I probably should have touched base with Glenn and made sure we were on totally the same page. His just orient orientation is real different from mine in this respect. Cause he was in the bowels of that in the fight of it and all these, and what he brought up on the show last night, what was the regulation? 602 something. Um, and, uh, got, got into parts and, uh, you know, if you start getting into the complexity of the internal revenue code, you're just not going to keep people cause it's really complex. Okay. Now what Glenn was saying was that in one other of the regulations in 602 something, um, there's a statement in there on what the, what the secretary can tax you on and stuff. And it says in there that there's certain earnings they can't tax and uh so uh, when you get into the internal revenue code as glenn went into there's different things called parts uh we don't i haven't taught that here because we know how to get around it without getting into this complex stuff but uh part one if it's got one point six oh two whatever then one the preceding part number is income tax Okay, and this regulation that he's citing is not echoed in Part One. In other words, there's no Part One point six oh two, whatever it is, uh, which tells you that the, the whole thing's just bogus, you know, really. Uh, uh, as as the Woodrow Wilson uh, repudiation of dollar diplomacy uh, on the on the web talks about, we've mentioned that on here before, and. Uh, Wilson, in the early days of his presidency, was approached by, as he put it, a consortium of bankers and asking him to co-sign this loan of $100 million to China. And Wilson, they obviously didn't have their hooks in him yet, and he refused to sign it. And that, and you find this on the web if you're listening and you want to go check this out. It would be good, beneficial to read. Uh, it's called Woodrow Wilson's repudiation of dollar diplomacy and uh, in that refusal to co-sign the loan to china um he states the reasons one of them he said because this can go to the political heart of china now just awakening to the needs of his people uh and does, does their little scam go to the political heart of a country <laughs> straight to it baby 
Uh, and the other thing was the tax system. And he said the proposed tax system, uh, catch this language here. Man, this is eloquent and accurate. The proposed tax system is antiquated and burdensome. Now, that stuff, just a little bit of this part stuff, and there's all kinds, a bunch of different parts, 301 and 601 and all this stuff in the Internal Revenue Code. Is that is that antiquated and burdensome? You bet your bottom dollar it's antiquated and burdensome. And then the second line is, and administered by foreign agents. There you go. IRS is not a government agency. You can go to Title 28. In Title 28, that's Treasury, the United States Code. There's a whole list of agencies that are under the umbrella of the Treasury. IRS ain't one of them, okay? Uh, Also, in 28, I don't know the section, there's a statement in there. The Secretary of the Treasury is the governor of the fund. The fund? Governor of the fund? How about governor of the International Monetary Fund? for the U.S. in bankruptcy. So it's all right there in front of you, but if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. Okay? So uh, we, uh, we we pulled off a good show. Uh, Vicky Vicky came back and said, well, it's so-so. She was really honest, and I thought so too. And Glenn kind of took away from the fact that he's just not a radio guy, and he got plopped into this, and he... Uh, went off and even uh, you'll remember those of you that listened last night even going well there's a comment in the chat what's all this history stuff well you don't want to read the chat on the air on that show you know so anyway but it was great i was very honored hopefully maybe they'll have me back again and i got the software loaded and i know the routine so should that occasion arise uh you know i'll be happy to answer the call and i was quite honored to step in for uh a guy that's almost at least somewhat a modern modern legend in broadcasting, John B. Wells. Uh, so anyway, that was that. Glad it's, uh, I felt wrung out like a dish rag by the time we were finished last night, I'll tell you. So anyway, that's uh, what happened last night, and uh, hopefully it turned out well. Uh, and I hope we got the message across to the people about the income tax and where it came from at least a little bit. I tried to inject myself in there and lay that base and, uh, because Glenn and I had not discussed anything, he didn't follow up on it and went off his own direction. It was all right. So, uh, anyway, welcome. Good morning, you guys on Tuesday. How's everybody doing? All right. I hope I'm assuming. Yes. Um, did anybody have anything they wanted to comment on, on the appearance last night or anything else on your little mind? I thought it was great. Hello. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Hey, Roger. Good morning. Yeah. The last 15 minutes, good morning. The last 15 minutes with Glenn and he was talking and I, maybe I just didn't have a great connection, but in the last 15 minutes, sounds like he said that at one in the beginning, sound like he said he 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 does pay taxes, and then a few no. minutes later, sounds like no. he said no. he has not paid taxes since 1975. Okay, let's go over that. Um, John and Glenn had intricate knowledge of this tax code. Okay, and after uh, they got out of jail, uh, Glenn found that part that he was talking about last night there of that they say in the code there's constitutional taxes and so he wrote a brief 
I, I, I wouldn't put it on our site because we don't do It's so easy to deal with the IRS and our approach here that you just don't need to get into that, really. It just confuses people, intimidates people. But uh, he wrote a brief on that topic called the Sun Tzu Brief. And he wrote, uh, first of all, he sent it to the IRS. And uh, IRS won't answer. And so then he foia'd his his, his uh, administrative file with them to make sure that the letter was in there, and it was. So now he starts going to his representatives. I don't remember if he went to the Senate or not, but he sends them the Sun Tzu brief and going, I've got this in at the IRS, and they won't send that back to me. They won't answer. Uh, and it's never gone anywhere because you just keep hitting brick walls and uh, that kind of an approach. But you do get the fact that you got something in their possession with the truth, and they won't answer, so it kind of stalemates them from coming after you, okay? Because anything in that administrative file is admissible in court, period, that bypasses the rules of evidence because it's in their possession. Um, and so what Glenn does, as he was saying last night, he, he has a five-page letter that he's concocted. I've never seen it or read it. But it's on that topic of, okay, and he goes, here's all the income I made this year. And here's this section here that says constitutional taxes. Can you tell me which one of these aren't constitutional taxes? And he's never gotten an answer. And he sends it. Did you notice that he said who he sends it to? The general counsel for the IRS. Never gotten an answer. It's a scam. Uh, but regardless, um, that's a little bit about that. Um, I'll tell you what I would like to do, though, Paul, because he brought it up last night, too, and I've thought about it several times. Um, the way what what um, John sent Glenn when they first met was a brief that he had written for somebody in tax problems uh, in the East. I don't I, I, I didn't know that part about it. I just knew he'd written this. It's called the Thomas Jefferson brief. And John wrote it as if Thomas Jefferson was writing it. Um, and it's in our workbook there. Um, and I've got my copy. I thought Daryl had a couple of, of, of new copies up there. I don't know if he's been able to find them or not because Glenn was wanting a copy of that brief. And I thought, well, I'll just send you the whole workbook, you know, brand new, because I, I, I swear I thought I had a couple of them. And uh, in those boxes I sent to Daryl. Um, anyway, I'm going to one day when I can get motivated and have the time I'll pick my workbook up and go get that scanned in uh, just because it's a masterpiece, the Thomas Jefferson brief. So that was what that was last night. So uh, anyway, uh, a lot of other stuff going on, but I was honored and privileged to uh, be offered that spot. And uh, uh, also, by the way, just on a side note, I asked, I got a chance to ask Brendy because she's not, hadn't communicated to me. I gave her, I gave him a wand uh, after the last appearance on there. And uh, I hadn't heard from her. I know they're swamped. And uh, I said, well, did you get the wand? And she said, oh, we love that thing. We want to start selling it. So at some point when we can get them corralled and get everything set up, we're going to start getting the wand promoted on on uh, Caravan to Midnight too. So uh, that's kind of cool. Um, so other than that, as, uh, Mirka, you alluded to the fact there might be some new students on board today. Roger. Con Perguntas. Con Perguntas. Roger. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the name so you know who okay. to call for. Oh, okay. Um, Ginger, 
Tatiana um, Mark. And I can't remember. Okay, Ginger, Tatiana, or Mark, uh, we're going to call on you in a second. Who was the other female? I thought it was Mark at Talk, and that had some. Nastasha. Nastasha. Hey, is that Nastasha? Hey, Nastasha. Yeah. Hi, good morning, or good rising. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, right. Um, I think the code that he said was 1.6201. Okay. That's what Six, I have in my 6201, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say and, that. And if you go into the Internal Revenue Code <laughs> and look for 1.6201, you won't find it. Uh, Interesting, yeah. Yeah, well, listen, that thing is so Not tangled. surprising. Oh, it's so tangled and convoluted. And that's why I like that Woodrow Wilson piece is because that is so antiquated and burdensome. Yeah. I, I could only find one university that has that letter available online. That's all I could find. Uh, of what? The Woodrow it's Wilson? Hard to find it. Woodrow Wilson letter? Yeah, that Woodrow Wilson letter. Uh-huh. It's For me, it was hard to find online except for one university that, huh. um, that has it. Has, yeah. You know, that's a really important piece, that Woodrow Wilson repudiation of dollar diplomacy, and it even becomes more important now. Have you heard the back end of that, Nastasha? I mean, it's an amazing story, yes. see? Well, yes. well, for the audience yes. that hasn't, I'll tell it to you. Uh, when, when I first uh, uh, got turned on to this, I went to see Phil Marsh. He was in town a couple of blocks from where I lived, ironically enough, in Atlanta. Uh, so I went over to see Phil Marsh. Um, uh, I bought his book that night, and uh, they had a bunch of free stuff, and I came home and started reading uh, for vociferously, I think is the word. Um, and this is 1992. There wasn't all this stuff on the internet back then. The internet was in its early beginnings, really, for popular stuff. Um, and so the only resource I had, and I was out there in Marietta, was the, I went to the Marietta Library, um, Cobb County Library there. Uh, it's a beautiful little library. It's not real big and extensive, but what makes it so beautiful is, uh, one side of it is all glass. And it overlooks a Confederate cemetery there with there's no telling how many gravestones in it. And so it's this beautiful, hilly little section, and there's this big Confederate cemetery right as you're looking out the library there. So kind of brings the whole point home. And uh, I didn't know uh, where to go too much in the library, so I went to the reference section and went into historical legal documents. And I found this book in there that had all these historical legal documents. And I already knew that around 1913 was the Internal Revenue, uh, was the Federal Reserve Act and stuff. I was already aware of that. And so I just started looking in that book in that range of years. And there's that Woodrow Wilson uh, repudiation of dollar diplomacy. And even then, it struck me as a total newbie, this is the blueprint I mean, that's the blueprint of what they do, okay? They go in, they loan you money. In Wilson's case, they wanted him to co-sign it so he could use the military to collect the taxes. That's why they wanted Wilson to co-sign it for the muscle. And he refused. Now, it turns out that the bankers made the loan to China anyway with no muscle. And guess what happened? Predictably, China never paid one payment on any bond that was floated for that loan. Okay. And uh, so what we find out here 
a couple of years ago when Epoch Times was still proliferate on YouTube, because Epoch Times is a good news resource, and I used to watch their show at night with uh, the guy that represents them. I think his last name is Phillips, real sharp young man. And uh, he had the gal on. First of all, I saw him in one show, and they alluded to this loan. That's a couple of years ago. This happened a hundred and something years ago. And so that got my attention, filled in a few of the blanks. And then I saw on another show where he had the lady in the U.S., she's an attorney, that is in charge of this company, organization, whatever it is, that oversees all of these bonds. Okay, And uh, she was being interviewed by Phillips again. And uh, she came right out and said, gave it, gave a whole bunch of detail on this. And she said, well, there's 20,000 American bondholders to that bond issue to China, okay? And they've never been paid one penny. In a hundred and something years, they've never been paid a penny on their bond. And she said the other majority of the bondholders were English. And when they gave Hong Kong back to the Chinese... Part of that treaty, I guess, was the fact that they'd pay off all the English bondholders, obviously Rothschilds and a bunch of that ilk. So China paid the increased interest, etc., on all of the English bondholders. There wasn't an amount thrown out there. But then she said there's 20,000 of the American bondholders to this bond issue, and they've never been paid a penny. Okay, the cumulative value of those twenty thousand bondholders holdings is one point. This is a couple of years ago, one point seven trillion. Loan them a hundred. You don't know about compound interest? We talk about the eighth eighth wonder of the world. Half, approximately, of that hundred million, fifty million, turned into one point seven trillion in a little over a hundred years. That's that's compound interest right there, okay? So she also said, she said, I've met with President Trump. He knows all about this, which I was shocked at. And had Trump not been so stifled up there, and if he really wanted to play hardball with the Chinese, what he could have done was bought all those American bonds at, well, let's just say a nickel on the dollar. Whatever the a nickel out of the one point seven trillion you're owed, at least you'll get something, right? Because you're not going to get anything from the Chinese ever, all right? And so he could have bought them for a nickel or a dime on the dollar, taken the bonds, the Chinese debt, and we only owed China at that time one point two trillion. They owed these twenty thousand bondholders one point seven trillion a half a trillion dollar upside. And all Trump would have had to do was to buy those bonds at a discount, bring them back, and every month when they went to pay their Chinese payment, feed them their own dead, worthless bonds. So there's another whole card. That's still sitting out there, by the way. I've never heard anybody else mention it again. But boy, it only because it would have been interesting even if you didn't have that original paper and understand the background of it. But when you really understand the background of it and then hear this, it fills out the whole picture, see? 
So anyway, that uh, that's interesting. It's very short. If you want to go look it up, it's only a couple of paragraphs, but it's worth reading. Okay. Um, so who's, who else has got something? Any of the new students want to come forward here this morning? We'd love to speak with you if you'll un- get the cat away from your tongue. Well, now hold on. there's three or four people. Okay, there's two guys. One of you come forward. I don't know whether you talk the same time. Go with Daryl. Go ahead, Daryl. Daryl? Hey, Roger. Hey, bud. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm okay. <clears throat> I got a question for you. You... So you found a book that has a Thomas Jefferson brief in it? I've got, I've got the workbook with me. I've carried it all these years as one of the few books. That, Lewis T. McFadden, and my Farrar Fenton Bible, those are the books I've carried with me. Okay, so I have all these books laid out. The... Well, the only thing I know to tell you, I, I thought there was a couple in there. There may not have been. I don't know. You know, it, it's a, a, a black spiral bound book and it's got a white cover with a logo on it and it says Association de Libertas. That was the name of John and Glenn's organization they tried to found. And that translates. Some of you will be interested. It goes right into our wheelhouse here and what John knew, okay? Uh, Association de Libertas means politically free by birth. Which is exactly the opposite of what we're dealing with, as you guys know. So anyway, I'll get that. If you can't find those and get it to Glenn, that's all right. You didn't need to get him the whole book. He just wants the Thomas Jefferson brief. He knows what's in the rest of it. <clears throat> and I will I will make it a memory peg for me to drop by some store here and get it uh, scanned in so we can get it posted, uh, if nothing else, a tribute to John. Yeah. Well, the I, I do have a book here. It says Association de Libertas. Okay, well that's it then. Politically free by birth. Right, that's but it. But it's it's red. It's red. It is. It has a. It's red. And as I go through it, it's uh, a complete reprint of uh, Sir John Combs. And uh, the laws of England. Okay, well, that may be where he got the name for it. I'll, I'll, I'll just you can forget looking for it if you can't find it there. It, it would jump out at you, I think, Daryl. I'll just get that scanned in one of these yeah. days and get it up there. I'll get it to Glenn too because he wanted a copy because that's yeah. where all this stuff started. <clears throat> so, uh, just real quickly, uh, Wilson's dollar diplomacy letter uh, during that period of time is really important because uh you know he might have rejected it but uh hoover and uh fdr and the rest of them didn't and uh this is the the basis of what you and your your minds believe is free trade mm-hmm. that, requ- that that it creates a self-licking ice cream self-licking ice cream cone creates a feedback loop yep. where the uh, occupied peoples, countries, nations of the 20th century were compelled 
to pay Rome by using dollars where all this inflation that you're going to experience soon was exported. Yep. And, and this is, this is why whenever you hear somebody talk about free markets and free trade and they don't give a clearly defined definition of it, you know, you're talking to an indoctrinated boobus, a dipshit. Yeah. You know, yeah, free, they're, free, they're, free is one of the most powerful words in the English language. That's why they put it in there. Of course. <clears throat> so, uh, so, it, so here's the here's the psychological problem. Well, if I if I don't agree with free market and free trade, then I I can't be a capitalist. Well, that's another word. You have no concept of what it means. That's right. You have no understanding of it. You you have a you have a. Uh, do I want to be harsh? Okay, I'll be harsh. Uh, you have a childish perception of it. Yeah. That's candy. Uh, given, given, given completely out of context to what Adam Smith wrote, uh, uh, that would have all been all well and fine. What Adam Smith wrote, if that is actually how it, it actually would have been applied, it was not. Nope. <laughs> okay. So uh, you've never experienced what you think of capitalism is in your entire life. None of us. None of us. Unless you bought gold uh, and of silver, it. you know a little bit more about it there. Um, when yeah. Adam Smo- Smith so, wrote The yeah. Wealth of Nations, yeah. there was only gold and silver. There wasn't all this fiat crap out there. Okay, so Adam Smith's whole thing on capitalism based on real money. We don't have real money anymore. We don't have real yeah. capitalism either. Okay. So, so, the, so the kind of capitalism you think is supposed to be working – uh, doesn't exist because of this. Uh, the idea of capitalism, uh, what kind of capitalism are you talking about? Are you talking about financial capitalism? That's not what Adam Smith is talking about. No. Uh, are you talking about labor, labor capitalism, where all value comes from uh, the land and labor? Okay. Now that's closer. Yes. But even in, but even, even, even in Adam Smith's time, and definitely from the Bank of England going forward, uh, from a from a national seniorage, not sovereignty, seniorage, seniorage. issuing of currency. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this has been uh, uh, systematically. It, it was even impugned then uh, because of uh, fractional reserve. So the fractional reserve aspect of it. Um, degrades it from its uh, fundamental principles. You see, if you had real capitalism, these people wouldn't have uh, all the capital. And that was one of the main things they used to get the Federal Reserve Act passed was a phrase called the elasticity of the money supply, meaning factual reserve banking, where one bank gets $100, they keep 10 and they loan out 90. The next bank gets 90, they keep $9 and they loan out 81. And that's the expansion of the money supply, one way. Well, that's why Glenn probably called that, probably called part of that brief the Thomas Jefferson brief, because that's exactly what uh, Jefferson warned of in his second term. That's right. Expansion and and contraction. 
And Jefferson understood, and I can promise you, I know he understood because I saw one of his quotes, very simple, no discounting of notes. That's the elasticity of the money yeah. supply. Fractional yeah. reserve yeah. and discounting I mean, of it's, notes. Yeah. It's it's really it's really important. Uh, and he he talked about the expansion and contraction, and uh, and uh, nobody seemed to ever really pick up on it except for a few people here and there over the uh, centuries. So let me see. Anyway, I'll quote, yield. Let me see if I can from memory quote I, Jefferson's. Yes, just, just a second, just a second, uh, if you could, Nastasha. Maybe y'all can help oh, me yeah. here. This, I believe, from my talking about the subconscious from way back in there somewhere. If the American people ever allow private parties the issuance of money, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and the corporations that grow up around them will leave their children homeless or landless on the continent their forefathers conquered. Something to that effect. Pretty close. That's very close. And and expansion and contraction, um, <clears throat> that, that's what – that's elasticity, that's what, what that is. Yeah. That's inflation and deflation, expansion and contraction. And and they forerun the market, so I'll, yeah. I'll yield to Nastasha. Yeah, she let's wants see to what Nastasha's got to add. Hey, sweetie. Well, I, hi. I just wanted to add that um, regarding Adam Smith, um, his Wealth of Nations is always a sign to be read in universities and in general. You always hear Wealth of Nations. He wrote a second book. And it's always wondered if which one was written first, yeah. but they were basically written together. And that second book is a theory of moral sentiments. Huh, we don't hear that one. <laughs> I've never and heard of that. They, in these two books, it's really a volume one and a volume two. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, I think, very conveniently um, ignore the theory of moral sentiments Boy, no is a kidding. very powerful. Well, powerful they can't relate book. to it because they don't have any. Yeah. So I, I want to put that out there because if you, if, if you've read wealth of nations, if you decide to read it, make sure you also read the theory of moral sentiments. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Good injection. Uh, and what has changed the game there is interest and bringing interest back into the picture. Cause this, you know, if you let interest run and compound interest run, whoever's gaining the interest is going to have it all. And that's what's going on right now. That's where these guys come out and they're in their plan and say, well, we own the whole world. It's ours. Well, yeah, but you got it with fraud. Okay. Now, the other thing that becomes really apparent, if you look into this China thing, what these guys are doing is a a fancy word called arbitrage. Okay. And you use it in finances and they're, they're arbitraging labor. And they see this big pool of hundreds of millions of people over there that are in this uh, uh, very primitive type society compared to ours. And they see that differential of labor. And, of course, that's what bringing China into the World Trade Organization was about and moving all the corporations over there. Who was behind that? Wall Street. They're arbitraging labor. They're taking your labor where you used to through the unions or whatever, making $25 an hour on the assembly line. And they're taking that company and sending it to China where somebody makes 5 to $25 a week. 
okay? And they get the profits. They drop the tariffs coming back in. They don't charge many tariffs to bring in the cheap labor goods. And now they got more profits on the bottom line. Everything's bottom line, bottom line, bottom line, bottom yeah, line. Well, the, the guy that, the guy that uh, destroyed the, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> uh, what am I looking for here? The uh, impost, export, import taxes, the, uh, uh, was uh Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. The trust buster. And and this is how this is how far back this goes back is that what happened under Teddy Roosevelt that I don't hear anybody talk about. Okay. Is that uh, a, a a paradigm shift occurred an inverted relationship it it turned itself on its head. Uh the government so, so to speak, was funded by uh, 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 taxes. Impost excise. <laughs> you were actually impost excise yeah. around the country, and that's that's what that's what kept them on a leash. Partly, partly that and the the, the way the money was established, but but the uh, their funding. Okay, and and so. Uh, what was what was being charged uh, was uh, the uh, the import taxes on foreign goods was was part of their their funding mechanism. It was also part of the mechanism but, they started the war to bring in the civil law with it was tariffs. Yeah, uh, now this is this is huge. This is this is huge, 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 huge. So. The government's operating under excise and tariffs, imposts with tariffs, okay. And they, they, they had to get away from that for their form of free market money. and free trade. And so this is what they did. Uh, you can thank the radical Republican, progressive radical Republican, Teddy Roosevelt, working for his handlers. And what they do is they... They go against the tariffs, and they open. Uh, they reduce the tariffs, and they make you pay the taxes. Yeah, that's the capitation tax. That back then they had to levy so, capitation tax for a shortfall, and that's what I went over last night. It's so important about direct taxes and the way our forefathers uh, set this up, because that's a check and balance when you really understand it. Because direct taxes have to be apportioned, and that means everybody pays the same amount. And there's a check and balance. And the example, of course, is if they levied a, a capitation tax last year and it was five dollars. Okay, I'll pay them five bucks. Next year's five. We've been over playing around in the Ukraine and it's five thousand dollars and everybody stands up what the hell are you doing up there okay so it was a check and a balance well, that the forefathers built into the constitution on this very dangerous capitation tax and what the progressive income tax does is run an in run around that yeah so they they laid the tracks they they th this this inversion of of taxes uh, foreign and domestic and switching their relationship was done before the Federal Reserve Act. Right. Well, let's look okay, at this is another part. This is another part of them laying the tracks. It's another part of the setup. And this okay. is really important. Okay. 
Look at 1916. It was 1913 they passed the Federal Reserve Act, right? 1916, Mm -hmm. what was the first legislation they passed that year? 16th Amendment, falsely ratified by, uh, I can't think of his name. It's a great name for for that uh, piece of crap that did this. They did that in the spring. Oh, this is 1913. They did that in the spring, in April. They they falsely ratified the 17th Amendment, severing the state's input with senators to the federal government in the summer. And they waited until December to pass the Federal Reserve Act. Why did they pass the Tax Act first? Daryl, have you thought about this? Um, why did they pass the Tax Act first? Well, then... I mean, isn't that back asswards when you think they'd pass so the they, Reserve Act first? Yeah, well. They set up everything sure, backwards sure. so they can execute it frontwards. If they don't have the taxing mechanism in and they got the Federal Reserve Act passed without the taxing mechanism, there's no mechanism to pull the money back out and pay the bondholders. There's instant hyperinflation because there's no mechanism to do that, and everybody knows what the problem is and where it's coming from. Okay? The income tax yeah, is critical, I mean, if you, if- critical to this system. It's what puts the final pin in the cloth, dragging your money out being able to politically prosecute you with the IRS on top of extracting it from you to pay the bondholders, which is where the original credit of the whole system comes from. Well, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you do it forwards in a linear fashion, people can see it easier. So if you do it in reverse, then uh, you, you have sort of this plausible uh, deniability, but this period is critical between 13 and 1917 because People are very distracted by what else is going on. Well, uh, World War One, the buildup, all the uh, the smoke and mirrors and the drama and the theatrics of the buildup to World War One. Yeah. People weren't people weren't paying attention to this. They were paying attention to the propaganda. And, and what same was thing, Wilson's same line? Same thing you're doing now. What was Wilson's line? He got elected on for a second term. You he remember? kept us out of war. He kept us, he kept out, us out of out war. war. And boom! As soon as they elected him, man, we were in it. Yeah, he's, he also set up the inquiry, uh, which was the forerunner to the uh, League of Nations. And the inquiry was uh, 95% staffed by Jews, people that call themselves Jews. There right, Genos. Really is not really such a thing really anymore. Do you, really like, this anymore, term? Do you think, like this term, but, Genos? Jews in name only? Yeah. They're... they're well, to, to, you know, it's taken me a long time to just say that in a really calm, relaxed uh, way, is that uh, they're all frauds. Uh, they're all frauds. They are. Uh, any of them. I, I, Sorry. Uh, you know, from a, from a birth, from a, from a millennial birth line, uh, you have to, when you're dealing with congenital liars, you have to be very uh, succinct and you have to be very definitive. Yeah, children of From Abraham. a genealogical children of abraham no from a, no, from no. A geni- you, weren't, you weren't the children of yeah. abraham according Not, to you you were the children of abraham's wife because you they, only they were bred lineage. they bred themselves 
yeah, they bred themselves out of existence a long time ago. I agree with that. There is no such thing. Yeah, they. So now, if you want to call yourself a religious a Jew, well, knock yourself out, okay? Because uh, you know, whatever, whatever you want, you want to think that means. So, so that that could be real from a from a sophisticated point of view, a cosmopolitan, sophisticated point of view. But from a genetic point of view. It's all smoke and mirrors, which completely plays into the evangelical myths of the chosen people and Cyrus Schofield. So it's, um, you know, see how easy it is to get off course here. Yeah, let's take that phrase. Let's take that phrase, the chosen people. Okay, and and what and I got this from Pastor Pete Peters, by the way, and his response to anybody that says that is, okay, I'll bite. Chosen by who and for what? See how they yeah. just leave these things hanging out there in generalities, and then they zap us with specifics. Uh, uh, I just I want to reverse course a minute uh, for anybody who's interested, and you're trying to find a copy of Woodrow Wilson's repudiation of dollar diplomacy. When you do your search, type in Woodrow Wilson, you know, repudiation of dollar diplomacy, and then also put in. American Journal of International Law, That's Volume Two. It. That's where I found it. And okay, and that's that should. Yeah, that'll bring it up. That should Marco, help you, yeah. Marco. You were trying to say something. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. There's three students, new students: Tatiana, Sage, Sage, and Jess. Okay. Well, um, uh, either Deanna or Sage, but Jeff, we're going to put Tatiana. you at the tail end of the line. Deanna or Sage, would you like to come forward? We'd love to meet you. Rosie Rising. My yeah. name is Tatiana. Hey, Tatiana. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you talk right into the Hi, microphone? Rosie Rising. Oh, I have an ear an earpod in. Uh, okay. Well, we, I think we, we're, you're audible. How, where Where are you, and how'd you find us? Um, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, Ooh. and I found you because of my sister-in-law. Amber, uh, em, 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 Emery. We got another gal. No, her name is Danielle. Okay. All right. Well, we're glad you found us. I hope maybe we can help you out and get your sanity back a little bit. Um, Seems like it's it's getting there. (laughs) Okay, good. Do you have any questions we can help you with directly? Because I know this is very confusing to new people. It's set up intentionally that way, and they did a masterful job. Um, I did have a question, but I believe my question was answered this morning. Um, what are the the steps that I needed to take? Okay, well, I always go back and and say, and, and I guess this is somewhat of a of a subjective statement: is learn and get command of the information. Okay. Uh, it, it takes a little time. Most people are not familiar with law and all these things that we talk about that they've accomplished. And so the very first thing is for you to start getting your confidence up. Okay. And the way you do that is to get command of the information and you start going, well, hold it. I'm the one that's got the power here. I've been tricked out of it. Okay. And all I have to do is file this paperwork with this guy and I get that power back, okay? I'm exercising my power here with him and we're exposing their system. And uh, the reason that everything starts with having command of the information 
and it's going to take a little different time with with different people, you know, because of who every we're all different, and your circumstances, background are different. And but learning this information is the key to everything. For for the first point is should anyone challenge you on your new position? Okay, you've got to be the one to defend it. Okay, and you can't defend it if you don't have okay. command of the information. Right? Makes sense. Okay. Also. We want to spread our message because in, in the more people that do follow through on this and know this, the stronger we all are collectively. So you can't go out and tell other people and try and explain it that way if you don't if you don't have command of the information. Okay, is that coming from your background there, Tatiana? Okay. Uh, so yes, that's why I'm muted. Okay, uh, and and the other reason is because this thing's going down. Okay, and we're not going to save it. We're going to have to rebuild it. And when it comes time for rebuilding, if this information isn't out there where people can access it, then whatever the rebuilding is is going to have the same kind of loopholes in it. Okay, so those are three really important reasons for people to go back and really get command of the information. The other thing is here, and that I'm sure everybody will agree with, when you file this paperwork and go through this process, Tatiana, the world doesn't change. Okay, people aren't going to stop you on the street and congratulate you and all that stuff. They don't know anything about it. You've got to be the change. You're the one that's made the change. You've got to be the change, and you can't change unless you have command of the information. Because I think what's happening here in the overall is what we're doing when you file that piece of paper is you're moving from over under man's law over to under God's law where you were meant to be when you were born, okay? And now you've got to go back in and get connected with that again, all right? And the way that you get that connection is by learning the information. And I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm going to allude to the gentleman I've been talking with, Mr. Darrell, uh, who's probably one of the people that I see this more in than most, okay? And that is this re-empowerment process of being back under God's laws. Okay, and coming, you literally become re-empowered. And if you don't think that's true, you just listen to Daryl. Okay, because <laughs> man, he radiates it. Okay, there's others, other folks too, but Daryl's just such a striking example because he's been on the air with us for so many years. I remember when he first started calling in, and I've seen his growth. See, and the reason I can tell you what I just told you is I saw that in me. But I couldn't recognize it in me subjectively. When I started teaching this information on the air and saw people like Daryl and Samuel and Brian and all some of the other folks, I saw it in them. And when I saw it in them, I could recognize it in me. Okay? And that's how I kind of know that's what's going on is this re-empowerment thing of moving back under God's laws the way we were supposed to be born. And in the big picture here, Tatiana, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Esau Edom has tricked us into, into letting him steal our, his birthright, our birthright back. I mean, in the big picture, that's about as uh, succinct as I can put it. So I just gave you a load there, <laughs> but learn the information and get command of it. When you feel comfortable with that, then the next step is to take the sample affidavit that we've got on the website, fill it out to your specifics, get it notarized as best. It doesn't have to be notarized, but that's better, and send it to the Secretary of State. Wait uh, 20 days. 
and do it certified return receipt requested. So you got proof they got it. And then about 20 days later, have, have do you have a passport, Tatiana? Yes, I do. Is it active or is it expired? It's active. Okay. Well, you just go in and do use a DS-82 renewal form and order just a passport card for ID and a, put your affidavit in that. And so now you'll have your affidavit not only on file with the secretary, but now it'll go through the passport process, which is also, of course, under the secretary of state. And you'll get a government-issued ID that's now connected to your new political status. And there's many people, Daryl, one of them, uh, all they do is carry their passport ID for identification. They don't carry anything else. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't get what you said to do with the passport. Okay, well. I have the passport and the passport card. Yes, well, you don't have to order a new passport. Do you have a book or a card now? I have both. Okay, well, just order a new passport card. And you'll probably have to see, you'll have to send in your active passport with that. And I don't know if they want you to send in the passport card or not, quite honestly. You might want to call the State Department and ask them. Uh, but just order. You don't need a book unless you want it and you're, you know, not in financial straits because the card's only 30 bucks. And so you order a new passport card, you include the affidavit in with the DS-82, and they'll reissue you another passport card, but it will reflect the fact that the affidavit was included in that and your status change. Okay? Roger? Okay, Okay, let's get with Tatiana. Okay, hold on a second. Talk right in the mic, please, Tatiana. Okay, and do I do the same for my children? Do you do this what? I didn't catch the last part. Do I do the same for my children? Oh, you can. Yes, and in fact, um, there's a number of other things uh, you can do with your children. Uh, One is you you write them out an affidavit. They're minor children, so they don't have to sign. You can sign for them as the mother. And... uh, Unless New York has gone totally wacko, pardon me, we got a little problem understanding you, uh, but uh, sometimes ear pods don't work as well as straight into the uh, uh, cell phone. I don't want you to hold it up to your ear, but um, yes, you can do this for your children, and one of the things you might think about doing with them is taking their affidavits and taking them down to the New York Driver's License Division. Because they're minor children, unless they're over 16, they probably don't have a driver's license yet. And you can go and get them a New York-issued ID and include the affidavit in that process. And now that affidavit will be registered in the New York State database. Then you can go ahead and do it with uh, the State Department and get them a passport card if you want to. And that's really what you'll ultimately want to do. But... You could just send the affidavits in and not order a passport card. So there's some flexibility here for you, depending on your circumstances and situation. Okay? Okay, thank you so much, Roger. You're welcome, Tatiana. Come join us. uh, You know, feel free to join us anytime. And there's a lot to learn here, and you'll go through. As I like to tell people, I think it's accurate. 
the event was when you crossed paths with this information. The rest of the time you're going to be dealing with it, it's a process of understanding it. And the reason I tell you that is I've been going through it for 30 years, and I'm still realizing stuff I didn't know. So it's a process, okay? So don't get frustrated. Take it at your own pace. Don't get overwhelmed. One baby step, uh, as as uh, as they say in Spanish, pasos de baby, baby steps, and and get your confidence back and get command of the information and move forward at your own uh, comfort and pace, okay? Hey, I have a quick question for Tatiana. Yeah, Brent, this is my old friend Brent here, Tatiana. Hey, how close to Utica Avenue and St. Mark's are you? <laughs> Um, I'm very close to that, actually. Oh, okay. I have a friend that lives over there, and uh, okay. Thank you. Cool. I've known that guy right there for 30 years, Tatiana, from the old days in Atlanta. Uh, okay, there was another female that had a question there. One of the new gals was Sage. Sage? Yeah. Sage, are you there, sweetie? Oh, Sage. Nice name, by the way. Sage. Calling Sage. Oh, Sage, can Yo, you Yo, Sage, speak? can you speak? <laughs> Roger. Yes, is that you, Sage? This is not Sage. This is Ebony. Hi, Eb. Oh, Ebony. Hey, how you doing? You're right there in Tatiana's neighborhood. Yeah, that's why I wanted to come off mute just to say that I am very near Utica and St. Mark's as well. So we should exchange emails at least and some ideas to sit down and review all of this that we're listening to. I would love for you two to get together, okay? Roger, they're both on Telegram. I can Okay, you can got Merka Merka will connect you and you got you gals ought to get together and have a cup of coffee. Maybe you can even start having meetings up there. Because let me tell you, the the weak link for our enemies here is the black community. Right. I, I mean, you know, you guys ought to be pissed, okay? I mean, they've not only enslaved you, they used you to enslave the whole damn world. You ought to be pissed. I was initially had to get over the anger to learn how to stay to know better. Yep. Well, that's what this helps you do here. And the spirituality aspect of this is big because what happens when new folks get into this, see if you agree with this, Ebony, is you go through emotional roller coasters. You'll get real high and then you get real low and then you're back real high. And the spiritual aspect of this is kind of what levels that out for folks. And, uh, of course, the spiritual aspect of it is the battle we're in, really. Yeah. Roger, the new student was um, Jess. Jess. I don't, I don't know whether that's a guy or a gal, but Jess, would you like to come forward? I think Jessica. Jessica. Okay, well, we know who that is. We know what sex that is, and unlike most of the people. There's only two sexes. Yeah. Jessica, do you, do you have something, sweetie, for us? Oh, Jessica. Okay, well, Jessica, if you. Hey, Roger. Okay, well, there's somebody. Hey, Roger, this is Jess. Not Jessica. Okay. Hey, Jess. I'm a new student. Okay. Uh, found your information on a YouTube video, the State National Guide. Oh, Presley. 
Boy, a little old young Presley really did a good job, didn't he? We get people uh, in from that video all the time. And do you know Presley's eight, was yeah. 18 years old when he did that? 18 years old? He did a great job with it, man. I've shared that video to at least 30 people that I've been having this conversation with. Great, Jess. Thank you. Where in the country are you? I live in uh, the free state of Florida, right here in the Tampa Bay area. Okay, so you're down there in Tampa. we got a, a number of folks in South Florida. I'm, Bob will probably pop on here in a minute. <laughs> I'm in Okeechobee. Uh, got a, a number of good, solid students in your area down there, Jess. Yeah, so I am just uh, at the very beginning of the process here. I've been studying this for about a year in uh, some other places I I won't mention. And so, you know, uh, some things I've had to learn and some things I've I've had to unlearn. And, you know, I'm a a business owner, and I actually uh, have three corporations, including one that's a kid's sports team. And knowing how to navigate the taxes and all of the ways that I've been wiggled into the system has left me a little bit intimidated. Yeah, I understand that. What type of corporations are they? Uh, chapter S. Okay, there's sub-chapter sub S. not-for-profit. Okay, well, here's your uh, – I'm not sure about the not-for-profit thing, but here is uh, what – are you a principal listed with the Secretary of State of Florida as a principal on those corporations, I would assume? I am uh, the president of both, yes. Okay, well, here's the the hitch with IRS. We just found this out recently, somebody with all the folks doing investigating here. You're classified in the Internal Revenue Code as a non-resident alien in their jurisdictional statement. And according to IRS rules, a non-resident alien cannot be a principal of a corporation. You can't be registered with it. So maybe the easiest thing to do to keep your current structure and not make any big changes is change. If you can find somebody you can trust, just put somebody else in as the principal of the subchapter S. And then because subchapter S's are passed through corporations, the profits could come straight to you as an individual. You've filed and done your disclaimer with the IRS and you're out of paying taxes, but your structure still exists. Okay. Now I'm not a, I'm not an attorney yeah. and I'm not an accountant, but the way I understand it, that would probably be your quickest and easiest. You could restructure the corporations and change them into things like trusts. Uh, there's some options there for you, okay? And I can't tell you which one to choose and won't. Right, right, and and I know that uh, I know that there's you know certainly some options there, but it it's still you know it's like well who <laughs> What professional do can I get to help? Uh, you know, when it comes to lawyers, I know several lawyers. I have a couple in my family, and they all think I'm batshit crazy when I. They're like, "Oh, is this? Are you are you becoming a sovereign citizen?" It's the first thing they say. You of, know, <laughs> uh, of course, boy, I tell you, their programming is powerful, isn't it? Okay, um, I, I it is. With, but you know, with these attorneys, if you if you ask. Uh, if you ask them question by question, though, they can't answer something about jurisdiction. They already know it. They just don't know they know it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, let me tell you where you might approach them. Um, are you familiar with the Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality on the State Department website? 
Have you heard? Have you? Have I first heard about that in the Diana Spangola interview I listened to uh, just a couple days ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not familiar other than what you mentioned. Okay, go to travel.state.gov. Travel.state.gov. That's the State Department website. And in the search bar up there, put Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. Now, that's a policy statement from the State Department on their own website, okay? And what you want to put under these guys' nose, several things in there, depending on how in-depth you want to get, but the one that's glaring is they've 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 moved it from it used to be in the third paragraph. Uh, I think maybe some examples have it in the second paragraph, but it's right at the front of this policy statement. And there's a statement in there, and it says, according to the IN, uh, INA uh, Immigration Naturalization Act, is what that stands for. So, according to the Immigration and Naturalization Act, that's legislation. All A L L all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, and you want to put that in front of their face, and that you want to say, "Did you know you had a dual political status?" And of course, they're going to say, "Yeah, no. I." Uh, they're going to say no. Okay, yes, I would the, think. The, Go ahead. Yeah, this is this is very powerful. I've actually, uh, you know, I have since the beginning of December, I've listened to about eighty percent of your podcasts. I drive around in my truck all day long, Fantastic. and uh, and I, I have heard you say that before. And when you ask somebody, well, are you know, are you a freed? Are you are you the descendant of a black freed slave? <laughs> They're like, well, you know they know whether they are or not and that opens a great door to be like well you know you explain the second class citizen status and how that federal government status was created for you know foreigners and slaves and indentured servants and individuals so that they were only free in the state they were free from it was that's it, really easy to find well it, it is and it's really logical you don't even have to go search out court cases or anything or reading by statutes and stuff there's a lot, a lot of this common sense when you get enough knowledge that you understand how you can extrapolate it and, and put it simple okay um, the other thing you could say, and I, and that was in the Spingola thing was several years ago. I've kind of tailored that a little bit because I don't want to bring this ethnic strife in there. Okay. Uh, yes. Right. Uh, the, uh, the fe- new federal citizenship was predominantly for former black slaves, but not exclusively. And how do I know that? Uh, because in the slaughterhouse cases, there's a section in there that talks about this very problem they had. And remember, this case was decided in 1871. The Civil War ended in 1868. So this was recent memory of those folks. Okay, It's just like if we were talking right. about, boy, you, where were you on January 6th? Did you see all that? Did you see Ray Epps and all that? That would be kind of a similarity. Um, so one of the sections in there, and they started out with – the recent Dred Scott decision and Dred Scott's, hell, Dred Scott decision still argued, 
you know, 100 and how many years later. All right. right. But they say, according to the recent Dred Scott decision, and because it was a public discussion in D.C., and the statement in the Slaughterhouse cases, I wish I could, my eyes were good enough, I'd read it to you. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It says, there was much discussion on this topic, and it was discussed in political circles, in publications, and in newspapers. So evidently, it was really a public discussion, and the problem they had, which Dred Scott accentuated, was that a person born in D.C. and raised, a person born and raised in D.C., or the territories was not a citizen of the country. They were stateless. They weren't state citizens. That was the only political status. They were stateless. Now, you can't tell me that everybody that was born and raised in D.C. and the territories was black. I'm not buying it. Okay? They're probably all ethnicities <laughs> there. All right? But the point being is they were stateless. There was no status for them. And that's what the 14th Amendment did, predominantly for black slaves, yes. And, of course, they've used that because they had this plan of putting us and pitting us against each other a hundred and something years ago. They knew what they were doing. I think I can sit here and show you that the 13th and the 14th Amendment were the, were the reason the Civil War was fought was to put those in the Constitution so they could enslave everybody, including the whole world 100 years later. They knew. That's the reason that whole configuration was fought, was to get those two amendments in the Constitution, set up this secondary citizenship, and 100 years later have everybody moved into it. And then trick you mentally where they ask you a uh, 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 Pavlovian conditioning, are you a citizen of the United States? And you, like a trained seal, go, uh, 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 and clap your flippers, okay? <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Roger. Yeah. Hey, there's Bob right there. Here's one of your neighbors, Bob, one of the new guys. And Sage is waiting too. Okay. Good. Yes, Bob. Well, I'm, I'm not in. I'm not in Okeechobee. I'm, today I'm a pirate. Uh -oh. I'm in Arkansas. Oh, are you? <laughs> We're headed back home. And I have through the Big Easy, go through your old stomping ground. Oh man, boy! I'll tell you what. It's one of the murder capitals of the country. You better stay away from there. <laughs> yeah, we might stay out of the slums. Uh, if you could shoot me an email with if, if Jess and get a hold of you, we might be able to make contact. Okay, I'll do that. Jess? Yeah, I'd be willing to do that. Okay, well, Bob's kind of the center man down there, and you got Gary, and you got Terrence in Naples, you got Sam in Tampa, we got a couple other new folks out of there, and you guys might could have a little get together down there. Who knows? Anyway, if you'll do that, Jess, I'll connect you to Bob, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be glad to send that over. I uh, Before I let you go, I do have just uh, one or two more questions real okay, quick. Okay, well, great. That's what we're uh, here for. My passport, yeah, my passport expired two or three days ago. Okay, that's good. And so I'm within the 15-year window that's listed on the uh, DS-82, I think it is. Right. But I'm going to be leaving, I'm going to be leaving the country on May 25th and um, on a cruise. And I was... Uh, Wanted to send my passport out, but I haven't sent my affidavit to the Secretary of State. Is that 
it's that not, make a, it's a not, it's not critical. You could go ahead and just uh, go ahead and, and shoot it to them in your passport renewal. You won't need a book to go on your cruise. All you need is a card. So it depends on you and your situation. If you want to pay the extra for a book, that's really only for international travel because the book is where they put passport stamps. Okay. Uh, I mean, visa stamps for the countries you're visiting. Um, but you could go ahead and do that. Uh, it being that it's May 25th, you will probably want to expedite it, but you can expedite a passport card. But be sure. Yeah. And when, for the purpose of, when you fill that out, my, yeah, hold on. My, just make this point. I don't want to forget it. When you make, when you do that application sure. and expedite it, put your travel dates in there and it'll go to the top of the heap and you'll get it quicker. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. all I need is my birth certificate for the cruise because we're only going to Alaska and to Canada. But mm. I just didn't want to mail my passport off if I needed to already be in the Secretary of State's system first. No, you, know? you don't. That that was a situation that came up. We rethought that. Uh, let me ask you, you don't have any open felony charges on you, do you? Open meaning that I have not. Uh, I yeah. have one from 22 years ago. No, 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 that's, no, 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 no. That's, uh, that's going to be all right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the reason yeah. this happened is we had a guy that sent in a passport application. He didn't know. Uh, he was a Brit and thought he had a clean slate because he'd gotten out of jail somehow, but the two drunk driving charges were still hanging over him. And when he submitted the passport, because he had not submitted one to the Secretary of State first, this was the initial. They rejected not only. They kept his money. They rejected his passport application, and he had an open passport, and they revoked it because he was a flight risk. Okay? So the thinking is yeah. if you send that naked affidavit in first and then wait a few days and send that in, even if you've got something like that, it should be that because you had the affidavit in already, the Code of Federal Regulations for residents doesn't apply to you. And they may do that anyway, but at least you've got grounds to come back and challenge it. That's the reason for that. Okay? Sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, all right. So maybe I'll pay to have the state attorney next day mailed or something like that. And then uh, well, if you, expedite, if you expedite it, uh, do, send it in overnight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you don't have to go to the okay. post office. You, for, you know, you don't have to go to the post office to get sign it in front of somebody and everything on a renewal, right? Yes, I read through that. Yeah. Okay. the The only question that I had might be something that I've learned improperly is about putting my zip code down. At don't my worry address. about that. Don't that worry. An issue. Don't worry about that. Just put it. Okay. Down. Okay. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. Yeah. A zip code's not going to override your affidavit with the secretary of state period. Okay. Okay. And is that really an issue in, in other documents and other no. things you do to, to put zero, 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 instead of putting that on there? No, no. A, a zip code does not convey okay. jurisdiction. Okay. Okay. That came from a bunch of patriots the years Roger. ago that were looking for this connection that we've got 
And the thinking was because when you put a mailbox on your property, it's federal property, not yours anymore, and that that extended to the land and you. And that's just not true. In fact, the only federal jurisdiction on a mailbox is the inside of a mailbox. You can't go in and tamper with that. That is postal regulations and federal law. That's their property. But the outside of the mailbox and the post and the concrete you poured down around the bottom, that's yours. Okay. Yes. Who is the female? Okay. You had a gal. Was that Sage? Oh, because you're really clipping, and I want I want everybody to hear what you're saying, and you're you're real clippy. So move close to a router or something if you can. Right on the speaker. I want to make a comment about the zip code. I used to put all zeros as well. And I, I can't remember where I read brackets around the zip code to take yourself out of the jurisdiction. And a lot of people argue whether that puts you in the federal jurisdiction or not. But you should just put care of and your address with brackets around the zip code. That's you, how I address you, all of my Well, you, right you could do that. That's not going to hurt anything, but it, it, I don't think it makes any big difference either. You know, what matters is that paperwork of yours with the Secretary of State. That's where the rubber meets the road. All the rest of this stuff is superfluous. All patriot mythology, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, Jess, did we get take you taken care of, buddy? Yeah, I think I think so, man. Uh, I do think so. Does your friend uh, forgive me for forgetting the fellow's name? He comes on on Friday. I oh, looked Brent? him up. Common Law Lawyer. I no, think. no, no, no. CommonLawyer.com. CommonLawyer.com. Does he help set up trust and things like? that? Yeah, is, you know, Brent is a multi-talented guy, and his specialty and his practice is trusts. So, yes, he'd be the guy. If you want to talk to or consider that, try and set up a consultation with Brent. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Because I know if you get with him, you're in good hands, okay? Yeah. I love and, listening to him on Fridays with the uh, preaching and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's just Ballywick, you know. I mean, originally, Brent, we didn't, that wasn't when we first got on. We were talking law and history, and it's evolved into that. And I welcome the spiritual base and the spiritual information and all that stuff. So, but he is an expert in trusts. And there's a lot of people out there that, man, in the the 90s, there was a whole bunch of patriots going around the country, uh, trust experts, quote unquote, air quotes, uh, and uh, got a lot of people in trouble. And the reason is, trusts are not a tax vehicle and they were trying to utilize everybody's fighting irs okay they're trying to use trusts as a tax vehicle trusts are not a tax vehicle they're a property vehicle right okay right so okay all right well listen thanks rog i'm or uh i'm sorry uh that's good for me, man. I'll uh, give you a call back in a couple of days. Okay. Well, you call in anytime with any questions, and we're, that's what we're here for. The whole show is for people like you. And there's folks on here that are new that just learned something from your questions. And there's people who have been here for a while that may have gotten a new nuance out of what we talked about that they'd never realized before. 
So, you know, you can't hear this stuff too much. You I, you can't hear it enough, okay? The more you hear it, the more it's drilled into your subconscious. The more it's drilled into your subconscious, the freer you are. Yeah, I have about three dozen people that I'm pretty close with, and I even created a little Telegram group, um, and they're uh, – Kind of following me along here, but ready to see me start practicing what I preach. Yeah, yeah, people. So I'm going to take this podcast and and stick it in there. (laughs) All right, and they'll go. Well, I think I'll just wait and see how old Jess does with that. And they're waiting, and they're waiting, and nothing ever happens. And they continue to wait because they're just sure the next day you're going to get bopped. Okay, but you never get bopped. So you're going to give Merck a little competition, are you? Merka, you got competitors. <laughs> Learn well, welcome. information, Jess. Welcome, Jess, and you feel free to call in and ask anytime any question you got, okay? So absolutely appreciate okay, it. Well, as we say down here, mucho gusto. You probably hear that in the uh, Tampa area a bit. Um okay, who <laughs> else is uh, who else is next with something? Was it a sage? sage? But I think she got off. Sage. Well, we tried. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Hey, Roger. Yep, there's somebody. Roger, uh, this is uh, Josh from Los Angeles. Hey, Josh. Are you new? Uh, I was on a couple months ago. Um, I gave me a call back. I had done my passport stuff and nationalized the kids. And I had some questions. Okay, well, you're a little uh, funky on your reception, I, so talk a little slower so everybody can get what you're saying, okay? Gotcha, gotcha. So I uh, got my passport back after I submitted my affidavit. Right. And I submitted my affidavit with my passport renewal, and I got back the original affidavit in the mail. Yeah. Is that normal? Oh, it, okay. it happens sometimes. You know, um, years ago, uh, first time I became aware of this, um, there is uh, – because I had a gal that didn't get her passport back in two weeks, and she got a Lancy, you know. And so I said, well, why don't you call the State Department okay. and ask them? And she called the State Department, and they said, well, you know, there's a way to track your affidavit or your passport application on this site here. And if you go into the site – as you're going through it, they have little drop-down windows that come in there. And one of them okay. said, your passport and citizenship evidence will be sent back to you under separate cover. So yes. we've got okay. people that get it back, yeah. and most people don't that I've heard about anyway. So, uh, And when they get the affidavit back like you, they're saying, oh, God, they rejected it, you know. Um, no, it, they can send it back and they might not. And I don't know why there's no consistency there, but there doesn't seem to be. If you've got any question with that personally, ju- just resend it to them. You don't have to do a, a passport application. Just resend it to the secretary. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. I have one more question to well, You're ask real you. clear now. Um, or whatever you did, you're real clear now. Okay. Okay, great, great, great. Um, I have been having a lot of trouble with payroll companies <laughs> with my, uh, um, I've been submitting the W eight B E N form. Right. Did you do the W four V? Did you do the W four V first? 
I tried doing that, and that was also rejected. They said, according to the literature or the instructions, they said that does not apply to me because they stated that that involves people in retirement. Uh, and I read the instructions, and it, and it it did it does state those those guidelines to withhold. And I was just curious because I've dealt with about fifteen payroll companies. And it has been 100% rejection of W4Vs and W8BENs. I even uh, uh, chatted uh, in Telegram with uh, Mark and All Caps about it. And it got to the point where I, I had to submit a W4 and just write exempt because they were kind of withholding. I held out for about two months. Yeah. And was receiving no funds, and so I was like, I gotta, I gotta feed a family. So sure. I went ahead and just uh, did the W four and just put exempt, right? And just you know, they take out the FICA and the right. Social Security. Okay. I, I didn't okay. know what else. I just well, was curious sound, if anybody sound, else has had success. It sounds like that worked for you, and I can't. Fifteen payroll companies. You must be the busiest guy in. Yeah, I, I work. Well, I, I work in the motion picture business, and so there's a lot of payroll companies in uh, Los Angeles I deal with, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it's been 100% rejection. They do not accept it. They okay. say, I must be a W-4 recipient okay. to receive funds. Okay. When you did the W-4 and wrote exempt, was it 100% acceptance? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Still well, ro- out roll with like, it. Uh, roll yeah. with it. Roll with it, baby. Just make sure you got that notice okay. into IRS. Okay. Okay. Roger. Roger. Everything's. I, I, yeah. Yeah, Paul. Uh, Joe's been trying to say something, but he's got a, a hum coming in. His microphone's not working. So, Joe, so if you can work, yeah, there you go. Now, you, now we can hear you. Okay. Just hold yeah, on a second, Joe. We'll get finished with Josh here and go to you. Josh, did we get you taken care of? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, you did. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. That's what we're here for. Joe. So I was going to say what he what he has to do for the WBN is he has to fill it out, uh, send it to the local IRS office, have them stamp it approved, and then bring it back. They, they can't deny it at that point. <clears throat> If well, they if they deny it, then you can you can do a FOIA request with the IRS regarding that company and whatever um, agreements they've worked out with the IRS. But they they can't deny it once it's been approved by the IRS. Okay. Well, there's another option for you, Josh. But it sounds like if the W four exempt works, you know you know you want you poke you want to poke the bear bear some more. It's up to you. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try that option because I, I you know I don't want more taxes taken out when I don't need to. So I'll I'll try that approach. So thank you, Joe. Of course, not. and they're not going to stop FICA because right. that's Social Security and stuff. Yes. Yes. Yes, Roger. Okay, I have a question on okay on involuntary servitude. Oh, um, yesterday, I found this case out of the Sixth Circuit Court. And Dan, by the way, if I, I think it's Dan on Pennsylvania. If you're on, um, I'd like to be able to get connected with you because you seem to be as engrossed in this servitude case as much as I. Um, this was back in eight, uh, 1988, and I mean it's a really well written um, uh, opinion, and it's um, I'm, 
I think I'm more confused, Roger, after reading this case, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. But there's an expression, the court held that involuntary servitude exists only when the master subjects the servant to threatened or actual physical force, threatened or actual state-imposed legal coercion. I never heard that one before. Uh, legal coercion. Well, that means you'd have or the states. Behind, that means you'd have the states' law slavery behind you. To me, but go ahead. Yeah, or fraud or deceit where the servant is a minor or an immigrant or is mentally incompetent. It doesn't say so, if they're an American, two, though, does the it? The threat of legal. It doesn't say if they're an American that applies. It says if they're an immigrant. Immigrant, right? Okay, go well, ahead. I'm sorry. Well, a lot of different capacities in there. Yeah. Well, okay. involuntary so service. Okay, I'll just I'll let you finish. I'll come. I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish, and I'll comment. So go ahead. I'll shut up. Okay. Okay, but like I said, I tried to look up the term legal coercion, and the way I was looking at that, from what little I did find on that subject, is again, if the um, uh, if, if the federal um, enclave um, actually coerced you into returning back to that servitude of citizenship under the 14th Amendment, yeah. would you interpret that as being legal coercion? I, I yield. I would, you know, but see, they don't have it set up like that, and that's the reason it's set up the way it is, so they can ask you those two questions and get your agreement to their fraud. And now it's voluntary servitude, isn't it? I mean, everything goes back to this really important principle, and folks, this is just something I say about the process. This is something I realized fairly recently. Everything has to be voluntary. If it's not voluntary, it's tyranny. It's either one or the other, okay? Okay, like I said, I yield, but I just wanted to pass on a comment. Your show last night on wealth, very good. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Charlie. I appreciate that. Could have been better, but it was what it it is, so, you know. Um. But everything's got to be voluntary. That's a really important principle, especially for you folks that, you know, people say, well, I can't send that in. They'll do this or they'll do that. Well, do they have a slave mentality? Yeah, because you've got the power. Everything's got to be voluntary or it's tyranny. Okay. They'll do this or they'll do that. Well, hello, there I am in the background. Hello. There you go, Edith. So uh, that's a really important principle because that principle is what's going to give you your confidence back when you really internalize it. Oh, hold it. I'm the decider of who I am. They don't do it or they're open tyrants. Well, they'd love to be open tyrants, but they know the consequences of that. That's why they've devised this system. Yes, who's trying to say something there? Um, This is Annie. Hey, Annie. So I'm kind of in the same um, dilemma that um, the other person was. So I keep sending because I'm new to getting uh, pension payments. So uh-huh. I keep sending them the the uh, I, I send them the W four whatever it was and the W eight DEN. They keep sending me a substitute W four P. I don't. And know. we've it, never heard that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So so anyway, it's it's basically just another one that's saying how much money you make and how many 
um, deductions you're going to take. So it's basically another tax form. Yeah. So I guess I need to probably do what the other gentleman was suggested to go to the tax IRS office and get them to do you, the W-8-E-N form. Especially because that one evidently, from what Josh said, is term for retirement. So you're talking about your pension fund, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that. You could probably go either way. Uh, do a W-4 and write exempt if that's what they want to accept. But I'd do the BEN because that sounds a little more official to me and see and uh-huh. get the IRS to stamp it as approved and then send it in and see what they do. Yeah, I'll have to do that. Okay. Okay. Um, sometimes Thank we got to just poke around till we find the answer because this stuff is so obfuscated. I mean, these are just sneaky little slimy bastards, man. As all of y'all know, yeah, I'm at perfect. this point, of course, mm-hmm. intentionally. All right. Anybody else this morning? Got something? Roger, yes. I wanted to ask, um, like, you know how a lot of people have that, uh, like, holding back because of the mentality of being trained and programmed all these years. I'm wondering what Daryl would say, um, like, that we can do or, you know, students that are having trouble well let's go let's go back to this little exercise if you're having that discussion with folks and you go okay let's get some agreement here we got common agreement we got common ground to start there's only two political statuses you're either free or you're a slave is anybody going to argue you with that with you no okay yeah so now you go okay which one are you What are they going to say? Well, and when wait. they say free, say why? No. When they say free, say, okay, that's good. Can you tell me the things that you can do without a license, a permit, or permission? That kind of shuts them down right there, doesn't it? Now, if they say I'm a slave... And you go, would you like me to show you how you've been enslaved and how to easily get out of it? And you'll know where they are because they're going to tell you. That's awesome. But, you know, some people say that they are free and they're like, oh, everybody has to pay their licenses, their taxes or whatever. Well, that's not true. I think I can prove it to you. But it's all part of the twist and, twisted manipulation that mm-hmm. people have been trained since birth that the, they can only do something if they ask for permission. Well, let's go back to Goethe. It's well, let's go back to Goethe. Hold on, Daryl. I'll That's let you in here. Thing. Let's go back to Goethe. There are none so helplessly enslaved as those who falsely believe they're free. And I also like the Harriet Beecher Stowe quote. Okay, I freed a thousand slaves, and I could have freed thousands more if they only knew they were slaves. Oh, that was Tubman. Tubman, okay, whatever. Tubman. Yeah. Uh, Boy, is that accurate or what? Okay. Well, it's spot on. So when uh, they were blacks and they didn't even know they were slaves. You're right. Well, that tells you, you know, to some degree how tough the situation was. I mean, if they didn't know they were slaves. But uh, when uh, when somebody who believes in licenses, taxes, permits, statutes, codes, and regulations tell you they're free, 
uh, one response you could say to him is, uh, well, although, although we share a common vocabulary, we have a different dictionary. Oh, I like that one. Okay. Good, good so uh, the words have meanings. And obviously you, uh, you have uh, a, a different dictionary than I do because that freedom and liberty do- doesn't imply uh, what, what you're saying it does. So this is, <clears throat> so here's a, here's a really great example of how culture uh, has been adulterated in the meaning, its context, its perspective. Uh, and uh, much in the same way that as we've seen the radical transformation of what words mean over the last 30 years, particularly in the last five years, uh, this, this occurred uh, generationally to people uh, to a large degree since the end of the Civil uh, War, Northern Aggression, Civil War. We're so this process in. has We're been happening for a very long time. And so custom and usage is, well, sure, I can be have freedom and liberty uh, by redefining what this means in context to what I want to do, what other people are doing, what the community is doing, what society is doing. I want to be a part of society. I want to be a part of community. These are accepted norms. Okay, this is how adulterated it is. This is why you should really go back to the dictionary, uh, Noah Webster's dictionary, uh, 1828, uh, even before. I mean, I'm kind of ridiculous about it. Uh, I have an Oxford English dictionary. <laughs> do, you, do you have all the volumes uh, and, uh, or is it one of those two volume ones? I, I have a two volume with a uh, 10 power magnifying right, glass. Right, right, right. Because you know, it's really, I found, really little. I found one of the, boy, little. They condense four pages to one. I had a copy of that, yeah. Daryl. I found it at a thrift store in Atlanta. I paid $25 for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the copy I have is, uh, I think it's uh, 1970. It's in extremely good condition, uh, but <clears throat> this is this this is what happens over time, and and so it, what you could say is that you're actually living in a simulation. Yeah, you are. An illusion. A simulation of what was real. You're living in in a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It is so diluted that that nothing is real. And this is why they want you to be in the digital world is because it's a simulation. And uh, you have a simulated government. You have simulated reality. You have simulated relationships on social media. Uh, these are some, this, the, you know, the fancy word is simulacrum, but uh, this is what this is. And uh, uh, so you have to go back to the real, the tangible. You're not a digital entity. You're an analog. Uh, you, you need to return to living in reality, the physical. Uh, <clears throat> and so um, I, I have really kind of, taken a hard left turn there haven't i but uh, this is how this this is how that works in daryl's copy of the english oxford dictionary because it's been changed if you go back and look under terrorism have you done that daryl 
If you go back and look under terrorism, the very first definition, intimidation by government. They've changed it. They moved it down. Government by force. Turn off that TV. Oh, 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 oh. We had a female there. Who's a female? It's Marka. I was going to say I I spoke to someone that was coming from a communist country. Speak, speak right in your microphone, Marka. It sounds like you're a little. Let me bit of... let me refresh my 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 um, headphones aren't working. Right. Okay. Oh, All right. Well, Marka's refreshing here. We're going to hear something about somebody from a communist country. Which I'm anxious to hear. I have a comment. Okay, well, Paul, fill a void. Hey, Roger. Oh, oh. Mine's quick. Okay, yeah. Turn off that TV and put down the damn phone. Okay. That'll fix everything. (laughs) All right. Now, Joe? Yeah, I just wanted to say something about the WABN. Um it's it's good for three years. After three years, you have to renew it with your employer. There's a time limit on it. I guess you. Yeah, the W twos are. Aren't aren't you supposed to do some of those every year? Or the like, if you file a W four, you don't have to refile it, right? Right. But I think a W two you have to do like every year or every two years or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's new. There's some new information. If you file W-8BNs, you got to do it every three years. Okay, you you stay on top of it. Okay, Merka, did you get your headphones rebooted? I did. Um, oh, a okay. lot world of difference. Go ahead. Okay, good. Um, I was talking to someone that came from a communist country, and they live here now. And I was trying to explain to them, you know, the information. And they were like, if you don't like United States, or I don't know if they said United States or United States of America, they said you can, you should leave. Well, no. This is, this is how this is how trained yeah. programs people are from a communist country, and that's how they want. Us right. to be. Well, if if they can't, if they came from a communist country and they can't see that that's what we're in now, and they moved from one communist country to another, they ain't looking very hard. Okay. Right, and they see this better than what they came from. Of course, but they're okay with it. Well, the one of the the uh, founders' response to that was, "I love America so much that I reserve the right to criticize her whenever I feel something to that effect." I don't know the exact verbiage. Daryl might know that one. But yeah, I I love America. I love the principles it was founded on, and we're not using those principles anymore. And that's why I do this, because I want to get back to those principles, and I can do that this way. Yes. Okay. Daryl. Well, there's there's some people that are not going to get off the train. You do understand it, right? Yes, I do. (laughs) There's – you're you're not – there's – you know, you have to put on your oxygen mask before you help the others around you. And uh, uh, I was looking for my quote of uh, if uh, of the uh, <laughs> the guy back. Uh, he wrote uh, 
he had a quote about let your chains rest lightly upon you and depart from us. Uh, If you love mammon more than freedom, may your chains rest lightly upon you for something about we're not your countrymen or something. It's a, it's an excellent quote. Right. It said depart from us. So, you know, um, I, I probably wouldn't get in too much of a hissing match with uh, whoever this uh, this individual was, but uh, you know, ask just ask them to tell you what freedom and liberty mean. There you, go. you know, that's a good one. You know, you could you you could ask them, you know, without being hostile, you know, what they what they think the definition of some of these principles are. Uh, you know, uh, what the words are. Well, the words are important because the words uh, lay the foundation for principles. And if you don't understand the meaning, context, and application of the word, the logos, the term, then you uh, you have a, a uh, diluted or conflated, in this case, a conflated perception of what uh, freedom and liberty are. Um and, uh, you know, in the book of James, it, it talks about the perfect law of liberty and that you were bought with a price and that you should be uh, called a man father because, uh, you know, on, on earth. So, um, you know, yeah, these are Samuel Adams. Yes. Thank Samuel you. Adams. Thank you, Charlie. I, you know, it irritates me because I've got so much stuff around here. I'm I'm literally in a wash a sea of information and yeah. it irritates me when I can't find it. Yeah. But, uh, along with that, Roger, uh, I just, I just purchased and it's arriving soon. The, uh, three essay series, uh, first edition, 1897 of, uh, <sighs> Frederick William Maitland. Oh, really? And, he uh, he has a three three part series essay on the uh, uh, in the history of early England and particularly on the Doomsday Book. And uh, two weeks ago, I got my copy of the Doomsday Book, oh, Doomsday really? of uh, of William the Conqueror. Oh, so wow. between Maitland and the Doomsday Book. And actually, the uh, Project Libertas information, along with other stuff I have. Uh, I think I have a a fairly deep uh, correlative uh, uh, reference material for really getting my head finally around uh, feudalism because it's very obscure. It's been very obscured, and and uh, you know uh, forceful forceful uh, imposement of the Fourteenth Amendment is uh uh what what was that term that somebody was using early coercion consenting to coercion that's fraud uh uh yeah so um i'm kind of excited about it where's the fraud uh, where where was the fraud well there's several layers of it obviously but the main one was when they did march the 9th of 33 and put everybody into the condition simultaneously Okay, and it's just like Colonel House's note that was found in Woodrow Wilson's possession there after he passed, and, he, and it says, "I wish I." It's, I think we got it posted on the website there. But the two critical parts of that to me are at the very start. He says, "We will make them sureties for the debt by utilizing the ancient pledge." 
Well, there's feudalism right there. That's the oath of fealty. And at the bottom, he said, should anybody ever figure this out? They've got, we've got plausible deniability. You ain't got no plausible deniability, slime. You're caught red-handed. Okay. Red-handed. Yeah. If, if you, if you really think for a moment that indenture is not slavery, uh, then I, I would have you, I would have you, uh, go to the proper dictionary again, because that is absolutely slavery and it, it, uh, rationalizes tyranny. You're consenting to tyranny. You're actually consenting. I hear whistler. Mr. Whistler. Okay. You've got a, I do have, I do have to back it down a little bit, Paul, but not much. Thank you. Go ahead, Daryl. We'll finish up. I just want to say that when you fill out a 1040, you're waiving your fifth amendment rights. Yep. You have done that. Yeah. You have done that. They didn't do it. You did it. That's been an old You waved argument. them. Yeah. Is that's that been, freedom and liberty? That's been an argument around patriot community and an accurate one for a long time. Uh, well, here we are ending up at the end of the show today. Good show today, folks. I want to really uh, uh, reach out and thank the new students for stepping forward, Tatiana and, and, and Jess. I don't think Sage made it, but maybe she'll be back. Um so uh, we'll be back tomorrow and uh, get this uploaded here in a minute. And uh, I'm going to go meet the gang for the Tuesday expat lunch here. It's a, it turned into a lovely day in Ecuador today. So uh, I'll see you all tomorrow, and I hope you got something out of today's show. Uh, and if you didn't get a chance to ask your question, we're here six days a week. Uh, and uh, if you couldn't have because of technical problems, get those straightened out and ask your question. And we will do our absolute dead level best to answer it for you. There's some we can't, but I think we do pretty good overall. We feel most of them. Um, so y'all have a great day, and I will see you uh, tomorrow at the same time at the same little old connection right here. Whichever one of those four things you're listening on, we'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day, and I'll see you then.